Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in history, in 1962, a U.S. Ranger spacecraft crash lands on the moon. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am the tap, tap, tapping on your chamber door, Zachary, and don't you fucking fall asleep on me. My name is Megan, and tonight I will once more be your political analyst. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that according to Zach, elephants are witches because they bury their dead bathe ritualistically during full moons and wave wow. sticks around during other phases of the moon prove We're me wrong keep that in because fuck you prove me fucking wrong i dare you i can't i haven't been around you know what's really interesting that about that uh little bit of information no matt tell is me like the concept <laughs> of an elephant graveyard. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, oh, oh elephants yeah. bury their dead, and nobody really knows where the elephant graveyard is. And it's like, okay, but couldn't you just wait for them to, like, have a dead body and then follow one of the, like, to see? I like, mean, couldn't you also just look for the big-ass mound of earth? Yeah, probably. that's true. I people so are, like I just think it's so interesting that people are like, "There's an elephant graveyard somewhere out there." Yeah, I, there's um, also a regular graveyard somewhere out there. I don't see me fucking so, looking for you know, it. Well, I mean, if you conceivably think about it, really, the world is a world graveyard. Is a graveyard. <laughs> it's yeah. just one big uh, graveyard, baby. Instead, instead of the world is a vampire, it's like the world is a graveyard. Yeah, dude. I <laughs> so I just like threw into Google our elephants religious because I wanted to see what what the first response was, and it's like they don't worship, pray, or believe in gods of any kind, but they do perform rituals. I'm like, have you asked? Has an elephant? Have you been a, like gone up to an elephant and been like, hey, do you okay, believe so in God? Okay, so let's be clear. They worship the moon, which makes them witches. Yes. I mean, that's true. I just think it's, like, really funny that this assertion is they do not worship or pray or believe, but they do perform rituals. Like, some guy did go up to an elephant and was just like, hey, can you clear this up? And he was like, it, like, did the whole trunk thing. And he's like, ah, got it. (laughs) Like, what do you got? (laughs) (laughs) Basically just like, hey, God. That a God. thing for you? And the <laughs> elephant just like shrugged and waved a stick around under a moon. And the guy was yeah, like, God's like, not there, but okay. Got it. The moon's Got there. It. Got it. Um, All right, audience. We've played a game of rock, paper, scissors, and our strikes have been set to zero. The zero. order for tonight is Megan, followed by me, followed by Zach. So pick up your bingo cards and let's get after it. All right. So uh, I will take the floor. Um, I mean, yeah, that is how this works. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Would you like to know 
my title. Megan, you ask that question yeah. every time, and the answer is always going to be yes. <laughs> always. Um, it's simply it's simply titled um, genre spoken word. Oh no 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 okay. <laughs> Mm-mm. Okay, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because you sent something to us hey earlier. Hey guys, we had a, yeah, we had a, a moment earlier uh, where Megan gave us a terrifying foreshadowing of what this is about to be. You they have did. just um, they did. You put a Chekhov's gun in our group chat, and instead of letting the reader yes. forget about the Chekhov's gun, you said, "Hi, look, this is Chekhov's gun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i i couldn't oh. i couldn't stop myself i have three other stories in the tank and i and this is the last one i wrote you have no restraint this is okay. the one that she brought to I, the table i couldn't stop myself she just could not stop herself i uh, literally couldn't um so uh now that that has been said um i have taken out my gun i would like to return to a topic that i'm extremely fond of this evening go for it shitting on ronald reagan um i i'd like to thank my friends family and god for being here with me tonight as i regale you with yet another one of his sins I oh, I really struggled with the title for this piece because it it really just sets itself up in so many different ways. Um, some of the other titles were a war he actually won, <laughs> <laughs> LP featuring Ronnie Ray. Uh, I hate all to, of these so far. Well, so the actual title of what I am going to be talking about tonight um, is Ronald Reagan speaks out against socialized medicine. Okay. I I didn't come up with that. That's just what this story is about. <laughs> I think that uh, your title should have been something like War, Medicine, and Finger Snaps. I mean, maybe. But genre smoking, spoken word yeah. is so funny, though. I think what would be really good, though, is if we got to the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... The reason that I chose that title is because uh, when I was looking this up, this that is actually what it says, like, about this piece that he created. Like, genre, spoken word, that is what he did. So we all know that Reagan was about dismantling the, dismantling the Keynesian welfare system, but did we also know that, that 20... That his wife was the throat goat. We already knew that. That is probably one of the first... And the only most facts well-known I knew facts about, about well Reagan. known. Um, yeah, well-known fact. When I did go to DC, I did take a picture of her full-length portrait. I was <laughs> like, wow, here she is in the flesh. But did we also know that 20 years before he became president in the year of our Lord 1961, Ronald Ray released an LP that is 10 minutes long where he criticized Social Security for supplanting private savings and warned that subsidized medicine would curtail American freedom. America, as we know it, would be dismantled by um, universal health care. So we can check a lot of things off of our bingo cards right now. Yep. We're just fucking going hard in the paint right now. Yeah, I'm going hard. Yeah. um, Universal health care, the... The topic that's so difficult that only 32 out of the 33 developed nations in the world have it. 
Yeah, they. Yeah. it's really hard. It's a hard concept to get. So he said that um, universal health care would curtail American freedom. And I quote, uh, this is an actual line from this LP. He said that pretty soon your son won't decide when he's in school, where he will go, or what he'll do for a living. He will wait for the government to tell him. Um, just to warn you, this whole story is going to be me reading a summary of this LP, so let me set the stage. Okay. Uh, this will be a theater of the mind thing that we'll do. It's a lot of fun. Um, we like You should let here. other people tell you that it's fun. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this isn't... Unlike what Ronald Reagan maybe wanted, this isn't a democracy right now. This is my story. <laughs> I so, hate that journey for us. <laughs> yeah, I hate that journey for all of us. The year is 1961. Your TV is still black and white. McCarthyism and the Cold War still happening. But your biggest concern is the gays because you work 40 hours a week as a vacuum salesman and you were hit as a child by your father. Um, you haven't had a real conversation with your wife, but you do have four kids somehow. Life is not okay, but you're living the American dream. The curtain opens on Reagan saying that in 1927, the socialist Norma Thomas said that the American people would never vote for socialism, but under the name of liberalism, the American people would adopt every fragment of the socialist program. So I like how the first line, he's really telling us that we're dumb as hell. Like, if you switch the words out. (laughs) (laughs) I am so already flabbergasted by this. (laughs) What do you, what, but I've set the stage, Zach. No, I mean, like, she really is painting us a word picture here. Uh, Yeah, like, you're here, you're... In the moment when she was describing it, I could recall being beaten by my father, and I was annoyed that I have four children and a wife that I barely talk to. I was going to say, like, your description made me feel the repressed alcoholism, need for nicotine, and cheeseburgers, (laughs) and misogyny growing into my bones. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I also have a cigarette burning uh, burning to its filter on my ashtray right now. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going for. You've thank you You're welcome. Um, for feeling that with all of us. Uh, so Ronald goes on to say that the government has invaded the lives of its private citizens and owns a fifth of the industrial capacity in the U.S. Um, after he makes these claims, which I don't think can be backed up with actual facts, he he gets to the meat. Of his argument, you know, the Whopper the meat, meat and potatoes. Yeah, the meat and potatoes. Um, also, in that whole description at the beginning, I didn't mention how high your cholesterol level was, but it was assumed. Yeah, definitely yeah, assumed. No, you can, you can assume it. Yeah, you can assume that it's not good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we can't back up these claims, um, but the meat of his argument is that it's easy to impose socialism on people if we use medicine as the vehicle to do it. Now, Ronald knew what you were thinking at this point. He knew that he might lose some people. Um, He said that now medicine is usually viewed as a humanitarian project and that most people are reluctant to oppose anything that suggests medical care for people who can't afford it. But he says that universal health care just wasn't meant to be. Truman tried to do it and the proposal failed and therefore the American people just don't want it. Um, I, I will have it be noted that they were dealing with 
the first nuclear bombs being dropped at that point. Yeah. So maybe universal healthcare was like on the back burner. Yeah. But go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's like, yeah, now that you mention now it. Now that you mention yeah. it. I don't even think it was on the back burner. I think it was on the back, back, back burner. But yes. Yeah. It was like six burners deep on an infinite stovetop. <laughs> That's the American government, the infinite stovetop. The stovetop <laughs> never stops. It all, it's back burners upon back burners. And we all keep the way going down. into debt buying more back burners. Literally <laughs> all of our debt is on buying more burners for this fucking stove. And nobody's <laughs> trying to make the stove smaller at all. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So he then goes on to say that there are representatives in government right now, a.k.a. 1961, that are trying to make people get compuls- compulsory health care um, and insurance and that they're trying to unionize the labor force. And if those things happen, what's to stop the indefinite expansion of socialism throughout oh, so America? Nothing's changed. No, no, that's nothing has changed i'm uh, sorry the rhetoric I, hasn't changed for hey guys we're 60 <laughs> years later yeah and yeah nothing's if you, changed if you weren't keeping track this was in the beginning of the 60s we're still having the same conversation uh he not only attacks the social security act of 1965 which establishes uh medicare by the way yeah but says that the entire argument for socialized medicine is just a way of government continuously like needling into your private affairs. And by targeting the medically needy, they are somehow encroaching on the freedoms of doctors. I don't I don't understand his argument here because like dog, they get paid either way. Yeah. Like they're fine. Like, doctor's gonna make money as the doctor's gonna make money as the doctor's gonna make money, you know? Like... Yeah, it's not like socialized medicine happens, right? And, like, a doctor just doesn't doesn't have the freedom of a salary or, like, the freedom to do... Like, we still have oaths that yeah. they need to take. Uh, the hippopotamus so, oath among them. Yeah, the hippopotamus oath is still standing. Standing tall, standing firm. <laughs> Shit. Never mind, continue. Do you think they get their their doctor's degrees, their doctor diploma taken away if they call it the hippotamus uh, oath? No. I, I bet they don't. Yeah. I bet they don't either. They're like, doctors are in, are in short supply here. I was going to say, I've met a fair and, number of doctors. They're pretty fucking untouchable at some point. Oh, my God. There's a th- we have doctor tenure. And you can... That's my name. Um, he then... <laughs> Dr. Tenure is my name. Was that worth it? Was that worth it to go down that alleyway for <laughs> that little joke? Yes. I think so. All right. Fair I think enough. I think it's fine. Carry uh, he on. then Yeah, I'm doing it. And then he encourages his listeners to write to their Congress leaders saying that they don't want socialized medicine. And he says that Congress does what the people want, which is patently false. I've been on this planet for quite some time now. And I know that that's not true. Like I don't know a lot of things. That one, not true. <laughs> He concludes in this spoken word LP, a warning. He concludes with a warning that says, if we don't stop this, that we are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when we were free. Due to this banger, 
of a singles release. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. Please. I was going to say, I think the joke's on Reagan there because no one in our generation is having kids because we can't fucking afford it because of people like him. So, you know what? We're not going to be telling our children and our grandchildren because we don't fucking got them. Well, we're also not going to have sunset years either because we he took away the yep. health care. <laughs> <laughs> so we're also he... not gonna have years because global climate change is a serious yeah. problem. We're he also not gonna all three have years these. because we're currently <laughs> dealing with a giant inflation in our uh, I mean prices due to a war that fucking Russia's just fucking decided yeah. to do. I would say all of these things can be traced back to Ronald Reagan's presidency. Anyway, <laughs> please. This... <laughs> That's our point. <laughs> this. It would be such a rabbit hole. I can't get that. I need to finish the story. (laughs) So due to this banger of a single release, he was called an enemy of social progress who had been hired by the American Medical Association in 1966. And Jimmy Carter himself, who I always picture as exactly 94 years old. He's been 94 his whole year, whole life. Despite the fact that he's like 98 now. He's 98, but he's still 94 in my heart. Uh, (laughs) uh, jimmy carter called him a traveling salesman for the ama that sowed the seeds of fear that medicare would lead to the destruction of freedom and this happened in 1980 and reagan claimed that he wasn't against providing for the elderly uh but considering people are are pretty fucked if they don't work well into their 70s and even then are kind of still fucked i i think he we know he was actually against it I'm not really sure what his game plan was, to be honest. Like, the more I dive into, like, what he did, I'm just not sure what the grand plan. The more you look at it, the more you're like, everyone said that this was a bad move. Yeah, like, a lot of people told, they were just like, this is a bad idea. And he was like, I'm gonna do it anyway. And I just, like. seeing, like, years into the future when people would be, the, you know, fucking Republican Party would be. Wanting to suck simping his nap. for Trump, yeah, simping for Trump and still simping for him, yeah. They continue Somehow. to simp for Trump. Yeah, dude, I conservatives love to simp. Yeah, Republicans do love to simp. Yeah, I think that's something like, that we've brought up before. Yeah, I think that yeah. Can we add that to the bingo card? <laughs> Republican simps. No, I think we have something in there that's just make fun like, of the GOP. A knock on the Republican Party. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I'd, I wanted to make sure we were covering our bases because we oh, do absolutely. talk about. Okay, that so realistically, a lot. Ronald Reagan was the first to Donald Trump. Yes. Yes. I, I would go so far as to say yes because he was a movie star before he was a. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. Political, yeah. whatever. There and are a lot all of, of his fucking stuff was bad. Yes. No, no, no. no. Well, yes. I guess like I'm not going so far as to say that Melania is the throat goat because that title belongs squarely that, on yeah. Nancy Reagan's shoulders. That's but... true. <laughs> that that is she's carrying. She walked so other throat goats could I, run. <laughs> I was gonna say something else, but oh, okay. Be, what that would what be were you gonna say? I was gonna say, and Nancy Reagan belongs squarely on her knees, but oh um... no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, like, I guess I was going to say, like, I was trying to think of, like, another maybe older president where, like, people were, they simped really hard for them. I don't. But I can't, I can't think 
of one. Like, Lincoln got, like, memorialized, right? Yes. He became, like, a, a martyr. But that w- but people hated him. Yes. During his presidency. Like, it, it wasn't, you know, this hardcore love that, you know, Trump and Reagan experienced while they were president. So like, people were going to bat for them. I have no idea what it is about the modern the 21st century and uh, this fetishizing of people and like this glorifying of people, but it is something that has been extremely exacerbated in society where we will find someone that we just latch onto and nothing they can do is wrong. And when that is done on a political and government level, like it is extremely terrible. Like, I I was going to make this joke a little bit earlier, but I feel like this is actually a better spot to do it. Like, we make yeah. fun of the GOP and the Republican Party a lot, but you know what? If someone from the left wants to make a dumbass decision, I'll make fun of them too. I don't oh, give yeah, a, a fuck. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. But no, like, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day, and it was she was like, I was going back and forth about, you know, my dad and I disagree on politics a lot because my dad's a Republican. And... I was I was just having, you know, a conversation and she's like, all I know is that Biden isn't doing a great job. And I was like, yeah, duh. Agreed. <laughs> I like I yeah. yes, but like but also he didn't like, start a fucking insurrection. Yeah. I mean, number that, but like also I think what all, and I know that we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole. But I think what also really annoys me with this deifying of people like Trump walked into like a presidency where things were starting to get better based off of like Obama era policies. And then Biden walked into a a presidential era where things were on the downward slide from Trump era policies. And like, people don't look at the domino effects. They're just like, all right, a new era has started. Call this Biden. It's not a fucking clean slate every time someone takes office. It's never a clean slate. And I just like don't understand how you can be on the planet for like 45 to 55 years and like you don't understand chain reactions. Yes. Yeah. Like, mean, are, you, are you stupid or dumb? Newton's like, laws have been around for quite a while and every action has an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> yeah, dude. Newton, my boy Newton, <laughs> like, said it a while ago. My boy, Figgy Fresh Newton. Figgy Fresh. <laughs> Figgy Fresh Newtons. Stop. All right. Uh, we, we will man. continue down this rabbit hole, and this is like a whole other Isn't it kind of crazy that they make Fig Newtons out of figs and pieces of Isaac and, Newton's body? Yeah, that's so weird. It's hey, like speaking of weird stories, corpse. I think I'm going to tell mine now. <laughs> nice I segue. would love that. Is it about Isaac Newton. It has sir. absolutely nothing to do with Isaac Newton. You'll be happy to hear. Thank you. I I don't know. I'm a little bit sad. I was... Um, I'm gonna say it off the top here. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys all the cool things about this story, and then I'm gonna explain. I'm not even gonna explain why it's what the fuck worthy. I'm just gonna say one sentence that'll make it what the fuck worthy, and you guys I... will know the sentence when we get there because it's v- very much. It's a moment. It's very much the last sentence of my notes. Okay. okay, I really like that. I'm I'm very ready for this. I, I don't know I'm what this itch- experience will be, but I'm ready for it. I love experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I 
We all I'm do, just... don't we? That's not true. Some people hate experiences. Um, my story starts in the year of our Lord, 1896, in Zanzibar. Nothing ever happens in Zanzibar that I know of. Except for this story. <laughs> Except for this story. In 1896. Specifically. So, essentially, Britain was given control of Zanzibar in 1890 after signing a treaty with Germany that I did not know how to pronounce. Very um, well, very and well. We're- and in, Yo, where's Steve? Yeah, I'm not, I don't even have it in my notes, so I I gave up trying before That's I fair. even got to the recording booth tonight. Uh, Excuse me, lots of burps. And in 1893, the British decided to install a sultan as opposed to, like, letting Zanzibar do its own thing. It was just like, we're going to put this guy here and he'll keep the peace on our behalf. I really like the concept of installing a leader because installing it like politicians. Yeah, it sounds like they're an HVAC unit. I re- yeah, I also thought that <laughs> when I was re- like when I was researching and it was like we're going to install this guy. I thought of like, you know, have you ever played a Lego video game where they make you build things? Yep. Yeah, okay, so it just yeah. every time it makes me think of just like you have to install a person, and you're just building the blocks of the person. Yeah, they're just like, oh, man, there's a part missing for this politician. And the part is uh, the loyalty of his friends and family. So his name is, uh, or was, Hamad bin Thuwani. Okay. And he ruled as the sultan for a good three years. Sorry, I'm still recovering from uh, COVID, so like, I'm doing a lot of drinking of my saliva in between takes so that i don't cough in your ears endlessly thanks that's what just what i fucking wanted to hear (laughs) (laughs) gulp um so he ruled as sultan for a good three years before he died suddenly in his palace um it is believed that he was killed by his cousin but there's no verifiable proof of that claim aside from everything that i'm about to tell you Oh, okay. okay. His cousin moved in and declared himself sultan mere hours after Thuwani was pronounced dead. Seems a little <laughs> sus. Yeah. He's so like, like me in the eyes. I am the sultan. Now. <laughs> yeah, basically, like in my research, they were like, we're pretty sure that his cousin poisoned him, but there's like there was no way to do an autopsy. There was no evidence of this but yeah, we we're couldn't call sh- we couldn't call grisham in the uh fucking yeah in fucking oh csi, CSI this shit yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately um, he won't be born for another 50 years yeah but they were like we're pretty sure there was foul play though because before the body got cold his cousin declared himself sultan and moved into the palace <laughs> Mm, sounds yeah. sus. sounds like a coup yeah it does sound a bit like a coup like a cuckoo. <laughs> cuckoo. So in 1896, this occurs. Um, and the ruling sultan goes from Hamad bin Thuwani to a man by the name of Khalid bin Bargash. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this wrong. And if I am, don't at me. But he's basically urged by local British diplomats to stand down. And he responds with, fuck all that noise. I'm here to stay. <laughs> this um, guy he might have committed a murder but he seems pretty ballin to me he does seem pretty chill uh minus the fact that he may have poisoned his cousin yeah well but he does that small facts 
he does immediately start uh, securing the palace with troops. Uh, smart. Yeah, Bargosh then uh, decides to outfit the palace with artillery that had been gifted to his cousin. <laughs> so it was like ornamental artillery that yeah that ain't gonna fly boss it wasn't meant to see use yeah ornament i love the concept of ornamental artillery oh, it's yeah. like no 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 those are our good cannons no not the those good in the china hutch. i mean goes in the hutch goes in, the, goes hutch. in the hutch i fucking love that I think every 90s kid has heard that sentence at least I, once. Yeah, yep. dude, it goes in the hutch. I just love the idea of, like, a Fabergé artillery. <laughs> That's, like, it's just made of fucking... This was half of our military budget. <laughs> it's literally made of eggs. I was gonna say, now I'm just imagining a cannonball inside of a cannonball inside of a cannonball inside of a cannonball. Oh, like a Matryoshka, a Matryoshka t- cannonball. Yeah. Fabergé are the, like, little decorative eggs. eggs. No, I know, I know, but, like, oh, okay. similar, yeah, yeah. but, like, this is what he's picturing. This is what he's picturing. Got it, he got said it. Fabergé, I, and I mean, it would, it would be funny, though, to see, like, on the same, in the same vein, just a cannon inside of a cannon inside of a cannon. I was gonna and, say like, that, but it seemed a little too far-fetched. It is, it's but it's great. All the way down. <laughs> it's just, like... The cannon gets smaller and smaller, but no less deadly. Oh my god! So, anyways, my pocket. He outfits cannon, the palace. Gun. He outfits the palace with this artillery that's been gifted to his dead cousin. He has three thousand troops, who are also outfitted with um, weapons that had been gifted to the former sultan, and he has at his disposal a royal yacht. Oh, because the palace is uh, right next to a harbor. And so he's like, I'm going to protect this house with a fucking yacht. (laughs) I don't know if that's what he sounds like, but like, I love to believe that he does. So um, the British diplomats that were in the area had stationed two naval vessels out in the harbor. And those naval vessels started to send troops to land to support the chief diplomat there. Yeah. I love the chief diplomat's name, by the way. So like what is I, I want to put maybe? I want to put him in a D&D campaign, but uh it's a man by the name of Basil Cave. Oh yeah. That's so good. Okay, honestly, anyone with the first name Basil? Mm, oh my yes. god. Oh, that's mm. good. Majestic. That's why I loved Austin Powers so much is because they had a fucking character in there named Basil. Uh, Though I liked the great mouse detective. I yeah, that. right? That's what yes. I thought of. Yeah, all, all you 90s kids out there. The great mouse remember? detective was also a fucking banger of a movie. It was a fucking banger, banger of a movie. Banger. I rewatched banger. it like a half a year ago because I was like, I forgot oh, did you actually? how much of a Guys, banger this was. I'll be honest with you. If I rewatch things from my childhood, I just wish I was a kid again. And I can't do that to myself more than once every year so. No, I get that. (laughs) That's understandable. So Basil had every intention of ending things peacefully, um, but he was also preparing himself for the eventuality that things might not go well. On August 25th of 19 or 1896, rather, um, he sends a message out asking this. 
Are we authorized, in the event of all attempts at a peaceful solution proving useless, to fire on the palace from the men of war, which were the big ass boats, warships that were stationed in the harbor? Um, he receives a reply later on that evening, which states, "You are authorized to adopt whatever measures you may consider necessary." and will be supported in your action by Her Majesty's government. Do not, you however... Right. Yeah. Do not, however, attempt to take any action which you are not certain of being able to accomplish successfully. So basically, Her Majesty's government responds, if you start a fight, you better be able to finish it. Yeah. So, obviously... This is a whole big issue that um, Basil is having to deal with. He's constantly, since the beginning of this crisis, sending ultimatums to Khalid bin Bargash. And okay. he's receiving no replies. He's not receiving any information. Continuously left on red. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> being left on red. Bargash is essentially just unveiling these Matryoshka cannons, like, every day. Nice. And- <laughs> Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, you know, Basil's like, well, he's he's got another cannon. What am I, what, 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 what am I supposed so to do? He has so many cannons. Yeah. What am I supposed to do he's, here? With he's all left this? me on red, and my government says that I can slap him in the face if I must, but I'd prefer not to. So Basil, on the 26th of August, sends a message to Khalid bin Bargash, which says um, that if he has not left the palace by 9 a.m. the next morning, he will open fire. And this gets Bargash to respond, and he says the following. We have no intention of hauling down our flag. And we do not believe you would open fire on us. We ain't leaving this bitch without a fight. But what I love more than that was Cave's response, which was basically just, I don't want to fire on you, but if you make me... Hey, listen, I'm I don't want to catch these hands, but I'm about to throw them. If you fuck around, you will find out. Basil's just yeah. replying the same way that, like, people in those, like, early 2000s movies were the, like, come on, man, no, hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me hold back. Me back. Yeah. yeah. 
Except no, you he was doing my it, arm like this. He was doing it on like with a saucer of tea. Yeah. And he oh. was just basically like, have at you. Um, so on August 27th, 1896, at exactly 9 a.m., Basil Cave orders the now five British men of war in the harbor to begin shelling the palace. At 9.02, Khalid bin Bargash flees the palace after all of his artillery is destroyed and the palace begins to crumble. By 9.40 a.m., the flag in the palace is removed and the Anglo-Zanzibar War is ended after a mere 40 minutes, making it the shortest war in history. Uh, Thank you. Jeez. Oh my goodness. War. Did this did the, the fucking fake Sultan get away? Like Yeah, he got away. Okay. Well I didn't do any research into whether or not he was eventually caught up with, but I would assume yes. Yeah, I feel like that's a safe assumption. This is the British Empire after all. Yeah, I mean they don't really just let people go. No. I wish that the Ukraine war was forty minutes long. It would have been yeah. great if it had been. Really? Yeah. But I think what's also interesting is that, like, for the length of the war, it was also incredibly bloody because 500 people died. Jeez. Oh, my God. That's so many deaths in a 40-minute span. Okay, but what you, so need to, what you really need to focus on here is the fact that it started with two men of war. In the harbor. I know. And they were basically just, like, supplying some troops in case it turned into a ground, uh, uh, a ground, ground assault. And then, um, from there, it was like, okay, let's just get, let's just get a few more ships out here. Just a few more. Not too, nothing too ostentatious. And then from there, it was just like, okay, well, let's get, let's get a couple more. So the first, the first two ships uh, were the HMS Philomel and the HMS Rush. There was another ship nearby called the HMS Sparrow that just supplied, um, just supplied troops to uh, to help Basil Cave. Um, and then there was oh no, they actually stayed around and fought as well. And then there was um, the HMS Raccoon and the HMS St. George. And so all five of them were essentially stationed in the harbor. And it was like one of those scenes from 300 where it's like our arrows will blot out the sun. Except it's artillery shells. Except it's artillery shells from a fucking man of war. And I just want to show you guys. uh, I'm going to post in the Discord a picture of Sir Basil Cave. Because this man is just... He's just a beautiful gentleman. He is, in my opinion, oh, a yes. picture of English class. Uh, yes, indubitably. Oh, okay, but he also has such massive fucking balls. Because he was just like... Yeah. He's he like, I'm like just going to fucking shell it. I'm going to um, full send I'm some I'm tired fucking... of waiting. I'm just going to shell it. Well, yeah, so what's interesting is, shells. like, he, he did go through all the proper channels to yeah. be like... He got permission. Hey, guys, is it cool if I kill this motherfucker? And they were like, don't start Everyone... none, won't be none. And he's like, <laughs> but I'm, if I start it, 
if I start it. I just thought it was funny that the government fired back with, you can start it, but make sure you finish it. Yeah, it was like... Yeah, dude. We are the British is, Empire. Don't insult us by losing a yeah, war. <laughs> which is also another, like, another reason why I think that... Uh, Khalid bin Bargash was eventually found. Yeah. Probably. I do want to look that up, but it is not germane to the actual um the actual topic here. Fair enough. But I just thought I thought that like I was literally just sitting in my office today and I was like, huh. What uh what, what could I do? <laughs> what could I do a story on? And then I was like, ooh. The war did that you, lasted 38 minutes. Were you just, like, looking things up, or did you know about it beforehand? I had not heard of it, so I was kind of just looking for, like, wacky stories in history. Yeah. As we do. As we so often do, and I was just, like... I literally typed up, like, weird historical story, and the first thing that I saw was... The war that lasted 38 minutes. And I was just like, what does that fucking mean? <laughs> um, I think uh, I am reading now that they did install a different sultan after this. One They're that was like, not so you... keen on fucking world domination. Yeah. But anyways, that's my whole story. Well, that was good. I appreciate it. I... Oh, is that what you appreciate? <laughs> oh, look at the ground. Uh... <laughs> so tonight... I am going to play a little fast and loose with the rules, uh, as if we make any rules on this fucking podcast, but I'm playing fast and loose. Sometimes we have rules. Yeah, sometimes we have rules. Sometimes. Um, But my shit tonight- They're arbitrary. Arbitrary rules, yes. Uh, Yeah. Rules that don't fucking matter. Rules like- strikes oh, that's it's like a game of whose line is it anyway? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the points don't make sense and the rules don't matter. Uh, my- this- whole thing that I'm going to do is just too wild not to do it in the format that I have for you this evening. Um, it, is the format in the game of, like, a Jeopardy, or...? No. So what's going to happen is I have three small pieces slash stories of in, information. Oh. And they You're all... Tarantinoing us? I'm Tarantinoing you. I'm going to give you okay, three vignettes, and they all go together somehow... And I want you, Matt and Megan, and the listeners at home to guess how they intertwine. For this to be as effective as possible, do I need to send you a picture of my feet? No, I am good. <laughs> I okay, cool. Unlike Tarantino, I think feet are the most disgusting thing in the world. All right, okay. great. Anyway. Now that we know this about Zach. <laughs> now that we know that Zach is a very open person, but fucking does not have a foot fetish, let us continue. Yeah. Not about feet at all. So our first story begins tonight, and our entire soiree begins with a man by the name of Phineas Gage. Oh, wait. I know that one. Yeah. So you might know know that name. So this is a great name first off, and I don't know where Ferb is, but please never let summer vacation end. Phineas and Ferb could fight God. <laughs> yes, they That's could, and win. True. Anywho. <laughs> That's so true. Phineas was a railroad foreman in the mid-1800s whose life would change dramatically in 1848. Because on 
Wait, hold on. I might have typed that number wrong. Maybe it was 1838. No, it was 48. I was right. I typed it wrong somewhere. I digress. Yes, so September 13th, 1848, Gage is working on the railroad where he is directing a crew of workmen who are blasting rocks in order to keep this line going. I've been working on the railroad. All the live long day. Thanks, Kermit. I don't know why I did Kermit voice, but I did. Anyway. So. Have we ever considered to think that that's like kind of a weird children's I mean, we probably don't have time for it right now. Dude, all children's songs are weird. Ring Around the Rosie is about the fucking Black Plague, you know? I know. I know. It just hit me. Yes. Um, But the way that this works is a hole is bored and blasting powder is set in the bottom of the hole. Uh, and all that was left is to hit with inside the hole with a tamping iron that would send the blast downward. However, as Gage is setting this up, someone calls for his attention and he turns to his right. And as he is about to speak to the man who is speaking to him, the ground shifts, causing the tamping iron to hit the powder and set off the blast. Now, normally when you do this, you're driving the force down so the tamping iron goes down... But since there was nothing to send it downwards, the tamping iron goes up and right through Phineas Gage's skull. Phineas, no! the human Sitzkebob! Well, Phineas survives. But there are complications. He becomes a Disney princess. No, exactly the opposite. Because the tamping iron, uh, it kind of rooted around and messed up a good portion of the man's frontal lobe. Which is makes sense. Yeah, I mean, right in that good spot. (laughs) We're right in that good spot. He got got an express lobotomy, guys. Well, instead of (laughs) being an express lobotomy, yeah, but it's like an express lobotomy. But it also is the thing where like it messed up the frontal lobe. So instead of being like comatose, like you would in a, or rather not feeling, in when you get a lobotomy, his personality did a complete one eighty almost. Yeah. He became very violent and rude, profane, and, like, sociopathic, and just a generally nasty person, which previously had been, he had been seen as, like, a very nice and good man. He was a hard worker, and he was a good businessman. It was like, all right, this guy went from someone you'd want to invite over for Sunday dinner to the guy you avoid and go on the opposite side of the street to avoid, you know? Now, you know what's interesting, though, and I did say this for a reason— um, he did become a Disney princess because when he was at rest in, like, park benches and things like that, animals would come to him. Okay, that's just fucking that... weird. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's a it's a random bit of knowledge that I have about the Phineas Gage case. There you go. But, like, I when he was... making that No, up. when he was sitting, like, birds would land on him, like, squirrels would sit at his feet and shit. Hmm. What? Now... Because... I, like, I don't know what it was, but um, people say that, like, that happened after his accident. I could be completely bullshitting. I could be, like, totally wrong, but... That's interesting, and I'm not, honestly, like, I'm giving very brief 
vignettes, as I said. So, like, someone could definitely cover Phineas Gage in total later, but, like, I'm just giving you a brief overview. So, I'm not sure because I didn't look that deep into whether or not he became a Disney princess. <laughs> I didn't I didn't go into his princesshood. Exactly. But this is important because it actually leads to the study of the frontal lobe and frontal lobe syndrome and gives us an understanding of what part of the frontal how the frontal lobe plays a part in the human mind. So that's our first vignette. Our second mm-hmm. vignette uh, is not, it's not really that much of a story. It's kind of just a fact that later is connected with this whole thing. So I'm going to make it quick. The Big Bang. We know it's a thing. Birth of the universe. Fantastic to be here. We know it's a thing. Moving on. <laughs> that was the second thing. Moving on. Okay, so I'm I'm sensing a theme. In 1884, a yacht named the I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm gonna try uh, Mijanet, Minganet. Anyway, it leaves I, England. I believe you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it leaves England on a voyage to Australia, um, and this particular yacht wasn't you know exactly made for world travel, and subsequently sinks in a storm. The crew escape on lifeboats, and they kind of escape too quickly because they forget to bring rations. However, the four men do manage to paddle their way up and snag a turtle for them to eat. However, Mm. a turtle doesn't last all that long, and they are forced to draw straws just to see who is... Well, who is to become dinner? Yeah. Wow, shit. A young man, aged 17, by the name of Richard Parker draws the shortest straw and not to get grizzly, but he does become dinner for the remaining three men. I did not expect your vignettes to get into shmanibalism. So small bit of shmanibalism, Um, but they eventually are rescued and they are put on trial. And the men who committed the shmanibalism go to jail for quite a bit of time. But for shmanibalism? For shmanibalism. What was the, was the charge actually shmanibalism? I believe it was shmanibalism. Wow, shit. Uh, yes, so they eat this young boy. And that is the end they of... They eat this young boy. Yes, that is the end of vignette number three. Oh, dang. Short, but sweet. They kind of went from most in, like dense to least dense. But now, I have taken the time to tell you our three small tales and do you have any guesses on how they are connected well the universe Uh, having exploded connects to the other two because it literally made them happen there is a very literal and very hard connection between all of these three stories is it is it a penis like violence no well i was gonna say so i was gonna say an explosion but there wasn't an explosion in the last story Okay, so there's Phineas Gage and the railroad spike. Yeah. There's the Big Bang. Yeah. And, oh, God. And there's cannibalism. This man dies because of cannibalism. You got is me it, stumped, Zach. Is it psychology? The thing that connects all, connects all three of these stories is Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, fuck. What? I did not see that coming at all. I, Edgar I Allan Poe knew some shit he should not have known somehow. Are you ready for this? Because you won't be I able mean, to sleep tonight. I guess. I'm 
scared. <laughs> I'm not ready because you told me that I wouldn't be able to sleep and I'm afraid of not sleeping. So connecting the first story, in February of 1840, eight years mm-hmm. before Phineas Gage's accident, Edgar Allan Poe publishes the short story, The Businessman, a story about a child who hits his head upon a bedpost, causing brain trauma, which throughout the story devolves his humanity. Sound familiar? Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. It really should sound familiar because this was so detailed in his description of frontal lobe syndrome, which would not be created until after Phineas's Gage's accident. Yeah. That multiple a modern neurologist went on record and stated that there are roughly 12 symptoms that can appear, and Poe described all of them in astounding detail. The neurologist said, quote, it is so exact that it is weird. So As a, the neurologist, I love that like a man of science was just like that just makes me think of some like yokel who's just like i don't know what to call it but weird well yeah but like it's it's flabbergasting this is a neurologist who's like yeah a but man the described... neurologist didn't say flabbergasting he said it was weird okay but i don't know i wouldn't be able to say anything else other than weird myself in that situation no i mean like i feel that i just think like i always expect like scientists to use bigger words yeah. than we do so it's just like that shit's weird is just not what i not what I go so, to first. Zach, am I understanding you correctly that Poe wrote the story after Phineas? No, he wrote it ten years before. before. Okay, that's. I thought you said after no, no, for no, no, a no. minute, and I was like, wait, it's not weird if he does it after Phineas Gage is like. It's a well-known yeah. case by that time, but yeah, it wasn't. it's a well-known case. He wrote it ten years before Phineas Gage's accident. Oh, that's creepy. Now, bonkers. Okay. He was the first Simpsons in eighteen forty-eight. Poe publishes Eureka, a piece of prose poetry that gets absolutely blasted by critics. However, in this piece of prose, it explains in great detail the forming of the universe, and it all starts with a bang. The work also goes into detail about what we now consider to be an evolving universe and black holes. This is 80 years, almost 80 years, before Belgian priest George Lemaitre pro, like, actually proposes the Big Bang Theory. And on top of is, that, in this and with other writing, he solves Olbert's paradox by saying that the light of stars simply hasn't reached us yet. Is, is Poe a wizard? I think he is was he, just connected to the universe. Is he a wizard? Like, I, I don't... I have my theories, but for our third and final connection, Edgar Allan Poe only ever finished one novel. He did. Oh, I know this one. Published in 1838, the narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket follows the titular character as they stow away on a boat called the Grampus. The Grampus? The Grampus. Yeah, the Grampus. <laughs> All right, I got to put that in a and d campaign now. But Megan, do you know, like, the connection here? Um, I, I don't know the connection. I, I know another story about this book in particular. Okay. So, um, but I don't, I don't know your connection. I just know that Jules Verne really loved this fucking book. No, no, no. This has nothing to do with with Jules Verne. This. Yeah. So. (sighs) Great name, the Grampus, by the way. You're correct, Matt. Put it in D&D character. A plus. But this is where it gets really fucking weird. 
So the boat in the story naturally goes down from a shipwreck and the survivors get on a lifeboat and begin to try to find safety. Yeah. However, in their haste, they never get a chance to get supplies. However, they do manage to catch a turtle and they all end up eating this turtle. But that doesn't last very long and the crew decides to draw straws to figure out, well, who's going to get eaten? Who's going to be dinner? Please tell me there was a character on the Grampus named Richard Parker. And a young boy by the name of Richard Parker draws the shortest straw and is subsequently eaten. No. Same fucking turtle, same fucking kid, same fucking name. And that is why, my friends, I think our boy Poe was touched by an eldritch spirit, had a touch of the eldritch consumption, and knew too much, and good night, good luck sleeping, I'm out. I can't fucking... What, like, how... (sighs) I don't... Was it before, Zach? Was it before this happened? No, I... Yeah, it had to have been. The book was written 50 years before the incident. You're oh fucking my, you're kidding me. You're this cannot be true. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me let me double check that because I hate this for us. I hate this journey um, for us. Published in 1838 and okay. the yacht was sank in 1884. <laughs> 50 Five years. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this so much. Poe. He really is. He's a wizard. He really is the Simpsons. Either Poe was touched by an eldritch being, and that's why there is so much mystery surrounding his death, or he was a time traveler, which is why there is so much mystery surrounding his death. Well, the time traveler theory is also like it's a theory about his death, right? Yes, it is. We can get into that in a later. Poe's death is know, so maybe... buck wild. Yeah. I I know his death is like there's a lot of um it's like contested, but like yeah. I I think it would be really funny if Poe was like I'm going to write a shitty book. I'm going to time travel. <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't get good reviews. Like No, that. it was it was destroyed critically. It was a really bad book, but for some reason Jules Verne really simped for it. I know, um, I know. But it's Jules Verne. He's weird. We've said I simped know. a lot. I know. Yeah. We have. We, I'm not apologizing. It's official. I'm, this episode. Asking you to. This episode is the one where we simp for simping. That's true. Mm. <laughs> the one where we simp for simping. I think that was a campaign to name the title <laughs> the one where we simp for simping. It's either that or I simp, you simp, we simp. That that one. Go with that, one. <laughs> that one's good. That one's good. You can keep that. Right. Uh, this is how we name our episodes. <laughs> now we we've given you a taste hastily and without curtain. much effort. <laughs> without <laughs> much effort. Hastily and with zero effort at all. That's wild. I, though. yeah, I'm like kind of still shook. Like as I said, good luck sleeping tonight. Like what's really interesting though is, and I've made I've said it twice, but like The Simpsons has been on air for so long. Yeah, that. It is now being looked at as prophetic because it's just been, like, coming up with things that have happened. Yeah. So it's like it predicted Trump winning the presidency before he won the presidency. Yeah. Like, there's a whole bunch of shit that just... But 
there's there's no real like nothing like that should happen to a real person. No. But I think what's the difference between the Simpsons and the Poe thing is that like at, at least for for me is that the Simpsons was like, "Oh, what if we took this to like the logical extreme, right? If things continue down this one path, then this could conceivably happen. With the boat thing, like, that yeah. is so specific. He's not predicting, like, things on a societal level that he's, like, looking out and being like, oh, well, this could happen if this person was elected. He's like, all right, well, on this one boat in this one area, they're going to eat a, a turtle. A kid named Richard and, Parker is going to get yeah, eaten. Yeah. And this guy this guy named Richard Parker is going to get eaten. And then 50 years later, that ends up happening. Like, that's not what The Simpsons is, is doing. Were the, the <laughs> were the other characters on the boat in the story named? No. That was the only, like, specific name that was the same. But, like... Bro, it would have been crazy if he had named all of them. Yeah, but, like, at the same time it's not even it wasn't that that one was the most like what the fuck but at the same yeah. time like his whole thing about like s- like casually solving old bear's paradox is insane yeah. like before that before casually. like actually having old bear's paradox state that the light of stars hasn't reached us yet and that's why we can't like see certain things like people just thought the universe was in a fixed state and Poe was over here being like, nah, man, that shit's ever expanding. And everyone's like, you're insane. And he's like, ah. He's like, my patron told me. And they're like, what do you mean by that, (laughs) Poe? I also love Zach going like, you're insane. Because Poe very much would have been like, you're absolutely right. (laughs) You are correct, sir. (laughs) I hear a heartbeat in my bedroom floor. Oh. But that's it. But that's anyways. all I got. That's I. I can't go yeah, too far was... down this rabbit hole, or else I will be here I for know. hours. Yeah, I mean that seems to be true of every rabbit hole that we find how... ourselves in. I'm, I'm actually just... curious, Zach. How did you find the connections? Because like that's. So, I. You don't have to reveal your secrets if you if you want to keep the magician's code. No, it's, Trade okay. it's okay. I just I found I was watching like a couple like a little like short videos or something and. There was the one of Phineas Gage and the businessman connection. And then I like looked into it and I was like, yeah, I can make a story. And then I was like, yeah, it's kind of short. And then like, I was like, I wonder if there's anything else like weird. And then I just looked up like Edgar Allan Poe predicts the future. And then it was just like a list of shit. And I was like, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. This is creepy. You're like, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. Well, it's been a crazy day for us here at the ranch, folks. And uh, you've heard our stories. So we have nothing left. You have heard them. We have nothing left to give to you. This will just devolve into us talking about random nonsense forever. So come back next time when we tell you more stories. You fucking savages. (laughs) But until then, let me end this podcast the way that I always do, with a question. What the fuck, history?
If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at Triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 